about uh, 20 years ago when I was younger and dumber. Uh, well, maybe more than that. <laughs> I was with some friends, having, we were having a good time, uh, some close friends. You know those, those friends that you can just get together and laugh and just be crazy and be yourself? So we're, we're, in a, we're having a time together, just my wife and I and another couple. And um, my wife is, my, if, you don't, if you know my wife, she's, she's just, she's unpredictable, she's funny. Uh, she has her own language, it's, it's awesome. Um, and so she said something, and, and you know, being the smart, amazing guy I am, I, I thought I should, you know, kind of poke fun at her because we were all poking fun at her, each other, at everybody that night. And so I thought I'll just, you know, get that little zinger in there, you know. So, you know, she said something, and it was just like, you know, we all just went, what, what, you know. So I, I started in. So I'm like, I'll say something. So I'm like, good American speeching, Robin. And everybody at the table looked at me like, did you mean to do that? I'm like, no, I, I don't know what happened. I really, it's just like, I, I really think, in my mind, I think an angel grabbed my tongue and wrapped it around my head. I think that's what happened. You know, it's just sometimes, I just seem to have this thing in my life where it, my family calls it instant humility. When I think I'm going to do something, you know, whatever, it's just the angels are like, this is going to be fun. Let's have some fun with this. And so that's what happened there. And, but I, I, I say that, to, you know, just to kind of say, sometimes that's, you know, where, do you ever feel like when somebody asks you a question, it, it just feels like somebody's grabbing your tongue and wrapping around your head and you're just like, no, nah, I, I just, nothing. It doesn't come out or it sounds like gibberish. Anybody besides me? Man, it's, it's hard being in a room full of perfect people like this. You guys are rough. So... But you know, the truth is, if someone was to ask you about prayer, hey, let's talk about prayer. That's kind of where that starts to happen. You're like, so tell me, how does prayer work? You're like, good American speaking. You know, it's just, <laughs> what do you say? How do you start into prayer? And because it's just one of those things. And the truth is, I think all of us can say that sometimes when we start talking about prayer, things get a little muddy. It's like, man, how do you talk about prayer? And so last week, you know, Pastor Maddox started into uh, the, uh, Luke chapter 11, which was the disciples basically saying, Jesus teaches about prayer. It's obviously you get prayer and prayer is the source of your life. So show us how to do this. Because, you know, after all, if we're going to keep our disciple card, we probably ought to know how to pray, right? And so that's all of us. We should probably know how to pray. And so it's, it's important, but my hope is that we can maybe take away, just kind of clear some of the mud in the water a little bit and just make it simple. So I just have two points this morning, uh, but just know this, two points doesn't mean you're getting out earlier. It just means I only have two points. All right, so we're going to look at two things. So I want to I give us two ideas about prayer, and then hopefully I can introduce to you to, to ask, to consider asking for the most amazing thing that you could ever ask for, ever, as, as a believer. And so we're just going to look into that. So that's kind of what my hope is, that we can just kind of introduce you into that. So if you have your Bibles, it's fun, isn't it? Uh, we're, going to, we're going to look into the Word of God and read this together. So if you don't have a Bible in the chair in front of you, please feel free to grab a Bible in the chair in front of you. And we're all going to stand together and read this scripture together. So I invite you to stand with me. We stand out of reverence to the amazing Word of God, right? Just because God gave this Word to us, and we, I just can't even imagine living five seconds without the word of God. 
And so the, the word of God is everything to us. So if you'll read along with me in Luke 11, 5 through 13, we're just going to continue this discussion. Last week, this is basically, I tried to come up with a clever title of this, but I'm just, it's how to pray part two. That's really what this is. We're just going look to at, look at the second part of this. So in Luke 11, verse, verse 5, and he said to them, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him and he will answer from within do not bother me the door is now shut my children are with me in bed and I cannot get up and give you anything I tell you though he will not get up and give him anything because he is a friend yet because of his impudence he will rise and give him whatever he needs I tell you ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives the one who seeks finds the one who knocks it will be opened What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God bless the reading of his word. You can be seated for a little bit. So again, like I said, Pastor just started into Luke chapter 11 last week and just kind of looked at the first four four, four verses, you know. Uh, basically the Lord's Prayer. This is kind of a little bit of the nuts and bolts of how prayer kind of looks. And then what we're going to look at in 5 through 13 is just a little bit more. He's he's still talking about it, and he's going to unpack some principles that will help just to kind of, like I hope, like I was saying, hopefully clear the the water so you can just see it simply. Sometimes we just need to keep it pure and simple, right? Life is complex enough and and let alone when we come to church or in a relationship with Jesus we don't need to get it any more complex and muddy am I right so I'm hoping that when we talk about prayer you go you know that's that's simple enough that's what I'm hoping so the first thing I want us to to look at today is this how I understand God's heart determines if I will pray how I understand God's heart determines if I will pray at all so it starts off with which of you verse 5 which of you Another way of, that we could say that today is, could you imagine? Can you imagine? So what he's doing is he's using a phrase that Jesus uses several times when he teaches, which is he's going to tell a story that demands an obvious negative response, like seriously, no, duh, no, 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 however you want to say it. But the, the obvious answer is just no. So he's using a story to kind of, so he uses that in Luke 14, for instance, when he says, could, he says which of you having a donkey would fall into a pit and not immediately pull it out even on a Sabbath day. And everyone goes, well, no, yeah, you're, you're going to pull that out. No, you're not just going to leave it. Or he uses this in chapter 15. Can you imagine having 100 sheep, having lost one of them and not leaving the 99 in the wilderness and going after the one that's lost? And the answer there is no, you're going to go after the lost one. So the obvious answer is no. So like I said, our pastor's gone this week, so I'm going to pick on him a little bit. <laughs> uh, so if, if you are new to the church, you don't know Pastor Maddox, this gives you a little peek into a, a little bit of what he's like. If those of you that are part of this church, you'll, you'll be able to answer this question. So can you imagine Pastor Maddox is on vacation this week and he doesn't read a book? <laughs> right, no, <laughs> no, he's going to read a book or more or whatever, right? <laughs> or can you imagine Pastor Maddox not preaching a sermon and using the word abide in it? The obvious answer is, no. right? So that's what Jesus is doing here. He's like, so he's, he's setting up this story where you go, that's ridiculous. Seriously, no, that's not gonna happen. 
So he goes on, he says, you know, a friend comes at midnight. And again, don't get hung up on 12, you know, a.m. This was, you know, it was in the middle of the night because people in, in the Middle Eastern countries often traveled at nighttime because it's hot. So they would, it wasn't uncommon to have somebody show up at your door at midnight. So that's the whole idea here. Somewhere in the middle of the night, somebody shows up on the door and they need help. But he says, friend, loan me three loaves. So we got to stop here and just kind of insert this whole idea about hospitality in the Middle East. It's a big deal. It's huge, as a matter of fact. If somebody, you, you know, in the Middle East, hospitality, you must eat. And so if you had a, a visitor in your house, culture demanded that not only did you feed them, but you eat too, even if you're not hungry. That's just hospitality. I kind of like that. That's okay. It's like, okay, bring it on. So they just, they, it demanded that you give them an unbroken loaf of bread. You know, it's, hey, welcome. Here's, a, here's our leftovers from lunch. No, no. Here's a whole broken, unbroken loaf of bread because it wasn't just that the bread itself was a meal. It's because the bread and the loaf was the fork and the spoon. That's how you ate the other stuff. You, you know, use that to dip. And that's, so everybody needed an unbroken piece or an unbroken loaf of bread. And so, you know, so that's number one is, hey, so, you know, I want to treat my guests the best, the best that I can. So give me some loaves of bread. And then it goes on to say, you know, um, but the thing here uh, beyond just that is this, is that hospitality wasn't just for that house. Uh, it was, it was the, to, when a host or when somebody, a guest came in, it was the, the, the weight of that hospitality was on the entire village. Someone wouldn't come to the, if some, a guest came to the house, they wouldn't say, oh, you have honored me by coming to my house. It was like, no, you have honored our village. Our whole village is honored that you would come and visit us. So the host is asking, what he's asking is for the sleeper to fulfill his duty to the guest of the village. That's the, so that's what he's saying here. So it would be unthinkable to, to refuse his request. And that's, that's the whole thing. It's just un, unthinkable. Can you imagine somebody coming here? It's like, no, no. We as a village treat all of our hosts. It's, it's everybody. But it says in verse 7, it says, don't bother me. I mean, that's a good point, right? I mean, is anybody besides me just a real heavy sleeper? I am a heavy sleeper. And when things, my wife can tell you story after story. If I get woke up in the middle of the night, I mean, I don't think. I do weird stuff. I think weird stuff. I say stuff. And I, I can't tell you how many stories have been, you know what you said in the middle of the night? I'm like, no. I, when I go to sleep, I am out. So you, you can understand, you know, this sleeper's like, wait a minute, you know, I've got my family because it's a one-room house. My kids are all sleeping. And, you know, for me to get up, I'm going to have to wake everybody up. That's a big deal. So, but, so the whole scenario plays out like what he's, what he's saying here is, can you imagine a scenario where a sleeper would actually turn away the host and blame it on the sleeping kids? And, of course, they would all emphatically say, no, 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 huh, it's not going to happen. We don't do that. That's not how we do stuff here. So, so he says, I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything. But because, uh, he says, because he is his friend. So it's not his friendship that's going to get him out of bed. Hey, come on, we're friends, come on. No, no. He said, what it says here, and this is where the weight of this scripture really, we've got to get this point. So let's just, just get this really quick. What he says is yet because of his impudence. So the whole understanding of this parable comes down to understanding what that means, impudence. So the phrase really would come out like this. The best translation for that is this. Yet because of the sleeper's avoidance of shame, he will rise. 
Because of the sleeper's avoidance of shame, he will rise. Or really a better way to say that is because of the sleeper's sense of honor, he will rise. So, it's, it's, so the reason he's getting out of bed is not because of the friendship. It's because of his sense of honor to who? To the whole village. It's not just me, but I have, a, I have a duty and an obligation to the honor of this village that when a guest comes through, we take care of them. If I don't do that, I bring dishonor on my whole village and, and, and who we are as people. So the sleeping man doesn't respond to the host simply because of his friendship, but because the sleeping man is a man, a sleeping man, is a man of honor and he honors the village's needs. So that's, that's the whole tension of the story is that that's why he's saying the answer to that question is no. You, it's unthinkable that we would ever bring dishonor to our village. We will take care of a host. And again, what are we talking about? Prayer. So he's talked about our father which art in heaven. He's done all that. Now he's going to go through and he's, he's trying to show you the heart of the father. So he, that's, that, so all the other, the first part is kind of the nuts and bolts, but now he, here's what he's like. Let me show you what God's like. So God's on, God doesn't answer our prayers just to meet our needs or because we're friends and we are. God doesn't answer our prayers just because he loves us, which he does. God answers our prayers because his honor is at stake. Think about that. God's honor is at stake. He will hear you. He will answer you. His intent is to meet our needs in such a way that it gives glory and honor to himself. As much as he loves you and he loves it, uh, but the thing is, when God's people pray, God's own reputation is at stake. Think about that. His own reputation. Just like in this story, what he's saying is that the, the reputation of the village is hinging on this guy getting it. He's got to, he has to have honor for the village. And that's what he's trying to show. I, my own reputation is at stake in this thing called prayer. It isn't just about meeting your needs, which I love to do. It's, it's a greater picture than just your needs and, and your situation and your immediately, your immediate, I need something. It's the honor of God. And so, you know, I, I almost stopped there and said, yeah, that's good. Let's go to point two. And, you know, as I'm studying all this and all of a sudden I just felt this, wait a minute. The, the, the truth is I understand that not everybody that has a, a really good view of God's reputation. And all of us, either some of us in this room or some of us know people, really, that, you know, when you say, um, hey, have you ever reached out to God in prayer, cried out to him and helped you intervene in a place where you just felt helpless and powerless and God was just absent? It's nothing. Crickets. Zippo. Nothing. Have you ever had just those moments when you're angry because it just seems like God didn't show up? I've got issues going on. I mean, these things are pressing. They're huge. Where's God? You know, how many times have you cried out? And, and, you know, those times when you barely got enough faith in, you know, just to pull yourself together and you were out of options. You didn't know where else to go. And you said, God, it just seems like he was too busy and you're flying through life and there's no answer. So I, I realize that when it comes to experiences of prayer, a lot of us don't feel like God has a good reputation. And I get that. In this room, I bet there's experiences here that haven't all turned out in the way that we thought or they should and wish that they could have. So, that, so when we talk about this in the heart of God, I have to pause and say, I understand that sometimes when, when it hinges on the reputation of God, that sometimes we just got to address that for a, mi- a minute because especially, you know, when you think about that and you connect that to, you know, a lot of times people's idea about human suffering on this planet because a lot of times you get into talking about God answering prayer and does he listen, does he care? And a lot of times people will go to that argument, but why is there so much suffering on this planet? 
there's an avalanche of suffering everywhere around us. You look everywhere, and it's just like, man, what's going on all around us? And, and you see all that. And times, and you go, man, it just takes so much energy and passion to come up with the, the, the motivation to even pray about the avalanche of suffering that's going on around us, let alone even to know what to do with it. And I've heard people even get to the point and say, how can I, I can't even believe in God because I see all this stuff. If God was really here, why does he let all that stuff happen? Have you heard that before? It's around us. And so, you know, let me just do this. Let me just say this. Let's just go there for a minute. Let's just say there is no God. Is the suffering gone? No. Suffering's still there. So now there's no God, but there's still suffering. Now we can't blame God because he doesn't exist. So if God doesn't exist and he can't be blamed for our suffering, then who's to be blamed for our suffering? The truth is, let's just be honest. Most of the suffering that's going on around us is because of us, mankind. We have made some choices, some doozies <laughs> since the beginning, have we not? Most of the suffering that we got going on around us is just because of the stuff that we've done. But here's the thing. It's just like that Billy Joel song, We Didn't Start the Fire. Hey, who cares who starts the fire? Please, you know, the firemen show up. Hey, I didn't start this. <laughs> hey, who's the blame for this? You know, aren't you glad the firemen don't show up and go, ah, I'm not doing anything with this until I found out who's the blame? It doesn't matter. And God doesn't, it doesn't matter who's to blame for all this stuff that's going on. Understand this, God wants, God is concerned about the human suffering and the condition that's going on in the world. God, it breaks his heart. Absolutely breaks his heart to know of all the stuff that's going on there. But the thing, and, and sometimes we even cast a, a, a darkness on the God's character and say, well, maybe God, maybe God allows some, you know, whatever. But can I just say this? No matter what our experience in prayer is, no matter what our experience is as we see human suffering on the planet, nothing can ever shadow the goodness of God. God is good. He is forever good. Good is all he is. Good is all he does. It's all he knows how to do. Did you know that? It's all he knows how to do. You got to uh, get that because it's essential. You will never pray if you don't get the heart of God. How you understand God's heart determines if you will ever open up your mouth and have the audacity to pray. And you can't have the audacity to open up your mouth and pray if you think for a minute that there's something in God that's evil and not right, that he's against you and he's not for you. We gotta get that. It's essential that we get that. Otherwise, no prayers will ever come out of our mouth. We gotta get that, amen? God is good all the time, all the time. There's nothing created that, that, that God created that he said, ah, ugh, can I have a do-over on that? mess that one up. God didn't create cancer. He didn't create AIDS. He didn't create mental illness. He didn't create poverty. He didn't create any of that stuff. It's not God's thing. Look what it says here in 1 John 1, 5. This is, it says, this in essence is the message that we heard from Christ and are passing on to you. God is light, pure light. There's not a trace of darkness in him. You believe that? Look at this translation. It says, God as to his nature is light, Darkness, is in, in, darkness in him does not exist, not even one particle. So let's just get this clear. God cares. <laughs> he cares about your pain, our sorrow, our suffering. He weeps. He weeps over us. He weeps over this planet. He weeps over all of that. But regardless of how much pain, how, much, how many times you've cried out, how many, what your experience is in prayer, no matter what the evidence that you've stacked up against God, let me just say this. God has one intention towards you, and it's love. Everything about God, his intention towards you is love, right? That's what his intention is. He understands that in a world that, that there, he gave us freedom, and with that freedom comes the suffering. But, yeah, here's the thing that's amazing. 
he chose us to meet us even in the midst of our suffering. Wow. Even though he gave us the, cho- the choice and we brought that suffering on ourselves, but I'm here. I like that song we just says, I am the Lord your God, I go before you now. I stand beside you, I'm all around you. Though you feel far away, I'm closer than your breath. And I am with you more than you know. Psalm says it this way, the Lord is gracious, he's merciful, he's slow to anger, he's abounding in steadfast love. Not just enough, but he abounds in love. God has always been this. Jesus is love because God has always been love. Always. Jeremiah says this, I have loved you with an everlasting love, therefore I have continued my faithfulness to you. So that's God. God is loving towards you. He is gracious toward us. He is good. He forgives. His word is true. His word, his promises never fail. He cares before you, before, like I said a little bit ago, that you ever had the audacity to ever pray a prayer ever to him, but he cared about you long before then. And so, and, and I believe that there's an illumination that comes only by the Holy Spirit that gives us the ability to actually say the words, our father. And that's actually, I was, you've got them thinking about that. When you say our father, there's so much faith. That's where faith begins. Faith begins in that moment that you can say our father. That phrase has so much faith. It has so much hope wrapped up in it. And he gives us the ability to, Jesus here is inviting us in, in, in Luke 11 to, to copy the elder brother Jesus by saying things like our father, this is our father. So that's, that's what he's saying to the disciples, check out our father. This is what he's like, man. So all that to say this, if God is everything that I just said, you know, and I could go on and on and on and on and, and just talking about the heart of who God is. If all those things are true, then by all means, we need to ask, we need to seek, we need to knock. That's verse nine. If all that's, that's, that's what Jesus is saying. Can you imagine I'm not like this? Could you imagine I would be bothered by you praying? Could you imagine that I have anything other than a heart towards you? If that's the case, then start asking kids. Come on, start knocking, start seeking. That's, that's the heart of God here. That's, that's what we've got to see in, in the heart of God when it, as it comes to prayer. But let's just get real here. Is there, anything, is there anything that you need to receive today? I would think in this room, there's probably people that need something. They need to receive something. Ask, is there anything that you've lost? Relationships, hope, dreams, whatever. I bet in this room, there's a lot of things that have been lost. Is there anything that you need direction in? You need the door open to you? Well, that's what he's saying here. If you believe my heart, then do this. Ask, seek, and knock. Let's get after it. And, that's a, that's a cont- and by the way, those verbs are continual. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, right? And I know there's a zillion reasons represented in this room why you might say, I just, I'm tired. I can't, I can't ask, I can't seek, I can't knock anymore. I, I've done it. I've been there, done that. I can't do it anymore. Can I just say, keep doing it. You are not wasting your time. You are not wasting your time. We just need to keep asking because it's in that place when we stay in that place of asking, seeking, and knocking that what really is going on in that place is not that you're going, okay, I'm waiting to receive. I'm waiting to get back what was lost. I'm waiting for the door to be open. But really what's happening is in that place of asking, seeking, and knocking is all of a sudden you're hearing the heart of God. You're hearing the will of God. You're finding the will of God because here's the truth, my friends. I would like to be able to tell you, if you ever get away from the asking, seeking, and knocking, you will never hear the heart and will of God. The minute you disengage yourself from the process of asking, seeking, and knocking, you will not and cannot hear the voice in the heart and the will of God. So he says, just stay there. Just keep asking. That's where it's at. It's in that. It's not in, I'm waiting for answers. It's staying in that place of prayer. It's staying in that place of asking, seeking, and knocking. Amen? You ready to go to the second point? That was a long first point, wasn't it? 
Number two, so God, show us your heart. But how I understand the will of God determines how I will pray. Look at that verse, verse 10, for everyone. That's the will of God. Everyone, everyone who asks, seeks, and knocks, it'll be open. That's what he's, that's what he's looking for. And let me just kind of give you a little bit of a word because he says there back in chapter 11, verse two, or excuse me, back in verse two, he says, your kingdom come. And I just, I think I need to just insert a little thought about the sovereignty of God. Is, is God sovereign? Is he the supreme power of all the universe? Yes, we know this. We believe that with everything in this. But the fact that he is sovereign means this. It, 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 it doesn't mean that he operates independently of us as human beings. It doesn't mean that he just does his will no matter what, regardless of our actions. The truth is, in his sovereignty, God limits himself in many situations to the actions and to the decision and to the request of human beings. Because if you look back there in Acts chapter, or in verses, those first four verses, he says, if, why would he ask us to engage in praying for his kingdom to come, his will to be done, or to pray for bread if he's just going to do it anyhow? Because he knows when he's asking for those things that he's expecting us to be part of the answer, to be part of the solution, that he needs us to, be, to, to, to enforce his kingdom and his will on this planet. He needs us to be the ones who help provide the bread and do the things that he's asking us to do. So that's why he says, this is a partnership. I don't want to do this without you, my friends and family, so let's do this together. And so in my sovereignty, I limit myself to your actions and your, your requests too. And so we, that's, that's huge. Because if you don't get that, then you'll just say, well, God's just going to do whatever he wants to do, however he wants to do it. So why do I have to pray? Well, the, because he needs us. We're in partnership with him, right? He needs us to be part of that. So let that sink in a little bit, that, but that's important. So... Anyhow, so 1 John says it this way. Again, we're talking about the how. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. There's a confidence that the Lord wants, that's how he wants us to ask. Because if we believe what we just talked about, that that's his heart and that this is for everyone, and then he says, here's how you pray. You pray with confidence because this is you. This is you. You're my your son, my daughter. Because here's the thing. I think a lot of us do this sometimes is that sometimes our prayer is, is, is we are trying to, over, that we, through our prayer, we're trying to help God to overcome his reluctance to our situation. You know, God's just, he's just kind of reluctant to respond. You know, so I'm just, it's like you, you're in a courtroom. If I can just convince God. Because I think that maybe he just doesn't see my story, doesn't hear my heart, or I'm just not asking the right way, or I'm not saying the right words, or, you know, I, I need to have the right amount of faith or whatever. And if I can just, through my prayers, help the, God to overcome his reluctance. But it's not that. It's not about trying to get God to overcome his reluctance. It's about trying to get a hold of his highest willingness for you. And when you are convinced that he is towards you, for you, in your corner, wants those for you, that he loves you, he cares for you, and everything he's doing is so that you can... Know, know his will and see his ways, that changes everything. That cha and then all of a sudden you're like, with confidence I come, right? Because he says, he says, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead give, you know, or a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent, serpent or if he asks for an egg, will give him a, a scorpion. So you read that, you know, I mean, you know, the first time you read that, you go, that's ridiculous. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And God's like, yes, exactly. 
Do you think that I'm just going to do some crazy thing to you? Do you think that I'm against you? Do you think I'm just brow, you know, that I have this furrowed brow? And, you know, listen, he loves to, he, he is your greatest advocate. He, he loves you more than anyone could ever possibly love you. He's for you. His word is for you. He's given you great and amazing promises. John 10.10 10 says it this way. You can't say it any more simply than this. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Devil, steal, kill, destroy. God, life abundantly. I am for you. I'm for you. It says in verse 13, if you who are evil... And the truth is, as parents, I can tell you, again, five kids, uh, there's, there's times my kids can tell you I didn't always hit a home run. <laughs> I didn't always do it right. Um, and I, I'm so thankful as a parent for, for the, for the forgiveness, forgiveness of Jesus. I used to say this so many times as youth, I was 25 years as a youth pastor, and I remember saying this so many times to parents, I, and I believe this more and more all the time, and that is this, is that in, I, believe, I trust God's long-term plan for my kids because there's stuff that I, they don't get in the 18 years that I have that he's got other things and people who will speak into their life and do things that there's no way that I, as a parent, can do. Now, it doesn't mean that I just sleep on the job. Don't get me wrong. But I'm so many times like, thank you, Jesus, for your forgiveness because I am evil. Just so thankful that he paid the price for our sins and he paid the price for that with his death and he made it possible for us to be forgiven. So, you know, when he says, you who are evil, thank God. I mean, when you read this verse, how many times can you read this verse and it not just really do something to you? In John 3, 6, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he was one and only son, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I mean, so he understands our way, our nature, us, uh, if, if we being evil. He, he gets that. But it goes on to say, if a sinful dad knows how to give decent gifts to his kids, how much more does the father know how to do this? So that's the whole, that's the whole story. It's like, yeah, he's not, that's how he gives. That's how he does. That's how he works. He's good. He knows what he's doing. And he knows how to answer prayers. Now, the truth is, have you ever, you know, all of us thinks that there's times where we know that God needs to answer a prayer a certain way. And aren't you so glad that there's been certain times in your life where you prayed a certain way and God answered it differently than what you were asking? Some of you, someday you'll be like, oh God, you were really good to me. I wasn't praying right. And you're like, yes, yeah, I know you weren't. I love you. I'm for you. I'm not like, ah, wrong prayer. You know, fall through the floor. That's not God. You lose, you know, whatever. That's just not him. Aren't you glad for that? That even in the midst of the sometimes asking the wrong things, that he's good. His, his will toward us is good. Because he wants to change us and conform us, conform us to the place where he can trust us with the correct answer. So sometimes it's in those moments where we're learning that. He says, hey, I'm, I'm bending, I'm shaping, I'm, I'm helping you to see. So that when the right answer comes along, you'll be like, ah, I get it now because I understand your heart. You're like, yeah. Oh, and I see how your will works. And you're like, yeah. Thanks, God. No problem. I'm for you, kid. I'm there with you, right? Our prayer team's coming out and our um, worship team's coming out. And we always have our prayer team to the sides during our um, worship. And, but we're going we're gonna to open it up one more time because I think as you've been sitting here today, I hope something in you says, wow, I, need to, I really do need to receive something from God. There are some things in my life that I do need the door open to me, and there's some stuff that I've lost. And maybe during this time, you want to come and do that. But let me just add one more thing. 
we started during community time. You remember the, the, the question we had you do during community time? If God could answer one prayer, what would it be? And here at the very end of this huge dialogue of Jesus talking about what the heart of God looks like and what the will of God looks like, he gets to the very end. He says, how much more will I give you the Holy Spirit? If there's any one thing that I want for you, that I want for you, that you need, uh, the greatest gift that I have for you, it's the Holy Spirit. God wants you to have the Holy Spirit. He wants you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. John 16, 3 says this, 13 says, when the Holy Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth and he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit gives us power to walk and talk with God in a way that's like none other. It says in Acts 1, 8, but you will receive power after, when the Holy, Ghost, the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. It's God's will for us to have the Holy Spirit and have the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. So if you would stand with me this morning, perhaps you're here today and you've been born again, but you're hungry for something more. You're hungry for a greater intimacy and a greater power um, with God in his presence. And you know, you've been here and you're just something says, you know what, I need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Please know that in order to, you know, you, I, I want us to know that you don't need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit to spend eternity with God. As a believer in Jesus, you will spend eternity with God, but there is, there is, a, there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit of greater power and greater intimacy that comes when we are baptized. So when you get to the end of that thing and Jesus says, hey, listen, this is what you really need. If you want, you want to know what the best thing you could ask for, the Holy Spirit. So yes, it's nice to, to have all the other stuff, but there's an unto of who the things, the things that you're asking for. So maybe you're here today and you're like, I, I need power in my life. It just seems like I'm bouncing from prayer request to prayer request to this, and I'm always needing, but, but how can I get to that place where I really sense the power of the Spirit in me? It's through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So whether it's, at, it's for something you're asking for, or seeking for, or knocking for, or maybe you just want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the altars are open. And so we just want to open up our hearts and worship and open up these altars and say, once again, now that you know the heart of God and now that you hear the will of God, will you come again with that confidence to the altar and say, Lord, I'm asking, I'm seeking, I'm knocking. Give me your Holy Spirit. Or whatever it is in your life that you need. So Chris and Tori and the worship team are going to come. They're going to lead us in this song as they do. Just open up your heart, maybe even where you're standing. But again, uh, I, I like what Chris said. You know, there's just something about this is a place that's designated for a, a time where we just separate ourselves. So maybe you just need to push out of your seat and say, I need to come and let somebody agree with me in prayer. They're here. We'd like to pray with you. But let's just all engage our hearts with the Lord.